If I haven't met you yet, my name is Maurice. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Uh, before I get started, I actually want to do a quick shout out. I want to shout out everyone that is watching online, whether that's um, somebody that you're watching um, live or you're watching on demand. Now, why do I say this? I say this because just this past weekend on Saturday, um, I mentioned this probably a few years ago. I love step class. Right at the Louisville Rec Center, me and Ladies aging from 30 to 70 are sweating our behinds off, and they are kicking my butt in there. I'm telling you. I have, I have not gone in a long time, and then I just started back going Saturday, and I was like, oh, my goodness. I had to keep taking breaks. I'm over there huffing and puffing, and it was just, I just love step class. So I'm back at it. Louisville Rec Center, Saturdays and Mondays, and I say that because uh, one of the ladies, we were talking, and we were talking about some of the things, and, we were talking about, and I brought up church. I said, yeah, yeah, my husband, um, he's been actually tuning in ever since the pandemic, and he's not come in person. He's not quite there feeling comfortable, whatever the case may be, but he has tuned in every single time he sees them. He doesn't watch them live, but he watches them on demand. We'll be, you know, driving down the street or whatever the case may be, and he's just watching the sermon. I just love that. And then we start talking about the Christmas shop. He said, are you guys still doing that? Are you still doing that this year? Or is there a way that we're able to uh, give so that we can help the families also? And I was like, yes. And what an awesome just opportunity to think about that there's, a, there's a, a, an entire community that's not necessarily reflected in this room, but are watching and being impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ and the love of Jesus on demand and online. And so I just love that. So can we just give it up for our online community? I just think that... So shout out to the online community and shout out to uh, Step Class, um, Christine leading on Saturdays and Mondays if you want to uh, come sweat and burn a ton of calories. Listen, um, today I get the awesome opportunity of starting our, very, our series for this month, and we're going to be starting a series ta- uh, entitled Mind Games. And I love starting series because there's some, a lot of groundwork that I get a chance to lay. And so today, here's my vision for today, that we get a chance to lay the foundation for the next couple of weeks and then that I can give you one practical principle to walk away with that applies to your life. Laying the foundation and then one practical principle that you can apply to your life. As we lay this foundation of mind games, it kind of gets to this idea of thinking and our thought life. We just wanna, I want to think about what it looks like to have a healthy thought life. And so as I do that today, one of the things I like about starting the series is that I get to lay the framework and lay the foundation, but also there's not really one main theme for me. I get to like have 18 points today. So you guys just sit back, buckle up. We're going to walk through this and I'm excited to do that with one another. We're going to start here in Luke chapter five. I want you guys to uh, take a look at this. Luke chapter five, it says these words, yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their, of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Now, what, is this, what does this have to do with thinking and mindset and thought life? Well, you got to stay tuned for that. We're going to go on a journey today, but this is what I want to look at. How does Jesus example for us a healthy thought life? How does Jesus example for us a healthy thought life? Would you just bow your heads with me? I'll just take a moment of prayer as we get started on today. Listen, Lord, I thank you so much for this moment. I thank you for continuing this service, not starting right now. Lord, we get to continue in this worship moment that you are continuing to empower us with. I pray right now that as you sit with us in this collective moment, 
that someone hears your nudge, hears your voice, and that someone takes a step, practical step, towards a healthy thought life in Jesus Christ. Amen. So I want you to stay tuned because for the next couple of weeks as we talk about thinking, as we talk about thoughts, I think it's going to be something that's very intriguing for some of us that are in the room right now. Some of us, we may even have questions around. Some of us in the room, we struggle with our thoughts getting the best of us. Some of you, you're listening right now and you struggle to be present because your mind worries about the future. Some of us struggle mentally right now. And let me be very clear, as we go into this series of thinking and mindset and uh, mentality, there's going to be some things that I fully believe that our spiritual principles will help with and be a beautiful thing that we can apply and we will see a direct impact into our lives. But let me make very clear here to say we firmly believe in mental health. We believe in Jesus and therapy. Can I get an amen? So we, some of us may struggle mentally. Some of us are not even active in our thoughts at all. Some of us are just kind of more passive when it comes to our thinking. We don't really think about our thinking at all. Some of us in the room, we may sit to ourselves and we say, you know what, some of my, impro- some of my thoughts, I need improvement as it relates to the thought life that I have. Some of us in the room, we want wonder, what does Jesus believe as it relates to my thoughts? What does it mean to have a healthy thought life. So I think we have metrics for many things in our life, our physical um, health and our, you know, what's the health of my marriage? What's the health of, some of us love to grow plants. What's the health of my plants at home? What's the health of my children? We take metrics around what health is around a lot of things, but how many of us can really say that we take a, uh, a sort of temperature, we take a pulse on what is the health of my thought life? I know sometimes it's not something that I always think about, but it's something that really impacts all of us and our entire community, our society. As I did some study and I started looking up a few stats and 60% of the U.S. population admit that they are under constant daily stress. One third of Americans are struggling with anxiety, stress, and depression. Two in five high school students experienced higher levels of stress compared to pre-COVID era. 15% of Americans want to quit their job due to severe stress. So why do we talk about this on today? Well, we believe that it firmly shows not only up in scripture, but it shows up in society that we all need to strive for a healthy thought life. Why talk about thoughts today? Because here's the deal. Here's my very first point. If you're taking notes, write it down. If you're not taking notes, write it down. There you go. That's Maurice's model right there. The health of our thought life deeply impacts the health of our spirituality. My hope today is that you get a chance to see the direct link of if we don't take care of our thoughts, if we don't ever have a monitor of our thought life, that gravely impacts our spiritual life. See, when we go about this life and we begin to think about what that means for us, we we get to see that our spirituality is deeply impacted. Our spirituality is either going to wither or it's going to move in a direction of improvement. And I can guarantee you our thoughts have a big portion to do with that. As I did some more studying, I started to see that on average, on average, a person's thought, will you just take a guess in your mind, because I know we're not a talk back type of church, but in your mind, just think back, think how many thoughts on average does a human think on a daily average? Just take a moment, five seconds. 
All right, we do, we can't raise hands though. How many of you think it's more than 500? Raise your hand. More than 1,000. More than 2,000. More than 3,000. More than 4,000. More than 5,000. More than 6,000. More than 7,000. 8,000. 9,000. 10,000. 11,000. 12,000. All right, some of y'all thinking way too much. Listen. <laughs> On average, it's between 6,000 and 12,000. Uh, anything beyond that, you are probably in that statistic of stressing a lot right now because that's a lot of thinking, that's a lot of chaos that's happening. Stay tuned for this series for the next four weeks because we're here for you. But in all seriousness, this impacts our life. We're thinking so many different thoughts on an average daily basis. And all I could think about as I read some of those statistics when it came to those 6,000 to 12,000 thoughts on average, what are we doing with those? Because science will tell us that thoughts are take up mental real estate. It is actual, uh, a physical thing that takes place in our mental mind. Thoughts take up a mental capacity, a mental real estate in our minds. And so what are we doing with those? What what are we doing with the 6,000, 8,000 thoughts on a daily basis, knowing that if it takes up mental real estate in our minds, that ultimately it can impact and gravely impact our spirituality? This made me really think about some of our disconnect as it relates to God and sometimes how we don't get a chance to really experience God. I fully believe because sometimes our thinking Sometimes I believe our thoughts get in the way if we don't have a healthy rhythm of what a healthy thought life looks like. And today, my hope is that as we look at the life of Jesus, he examples for us what this means. In Proverbs 23, verse 7, it says these words right here, as a man or woman thinks in their heart, so are they. As a man or woman thinks in their heart, so are they. Another verse that I had in mind is Mark 12, verse 30, it says these words right here, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. I thought it was very important to highlight this. We can keep that up there for just a moment because when it comes to, um, let me just talk, talk to people who are Christians in the room who you identify as a person who's a follower of Jesus. We, we sometimes can get so spiritual that sometimes we leave our mind at the door. We can get so spiritual that we think that it's a compartmentalized thing, that when Jesus came to earth and he died on a cross for a relationship with every single one of us, and when we said yes to him and we started following after him, that was for the spiritual part of my life. This verse lets us know that when Jesus comes to our life, he's actually came for the totality of our human experience, for every single part of us, for he wants us to engage in every area of our minds, our emotion, our will, our minds, our our bodies, our physical being, every single part Jesus wants engagement with. And not only does he want engagement, but he wants us to be healthy in those areas. So what does that mean for us as we live into this idea of a healthy thought life. Here's what I want to do. I want to look at our main scripture for the next four weeks, the main scripture that we are couching this series in, and then I want to give you an application for what this means for us. The main scripture is going to be Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. 
And before I even start reading some of that, I was thinking, you know, as I was uh, putting this together and I was starting to uh, start to think about, I was actually reading this book and I don't know exactly where it comes from, but it starts to actually, um, and I was reading this uh, uh, book and it was on like civil, civil rights or civil history and all this other stuff. And one of the things that it came across was uh, a, t- a mind is a terrible thing to waste. And I don't know who, who the quote was, but as I started to think about that, I began to think as Christian, as people who, um, who, who calls ourselves followers of Jesus, if we don't pay attention, if we don't pay attention to our thought life, so many times people are missing out on the full, human, or the full experience of who Jesus is because we leave our minds at the door. We get a chance. We, we, we don't fully impact. We don't fully live into who Jesus is calling us to be. And so I, I, I thought about that and I wrestled with that as I was just reading that. I just wanted to throw that in there because it was important to me and it highlighted something. Romans chapter 12 says this right here. Do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I want to start with just the beginning portion of that. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. I was uh, watching a show the other day. Anybody is a um, uh, great British baking show? Great British baking show? Yes? Come on, fans. There we go. So it's in the room. Um, I keep up with that one a lot. I love to bake. I love to keep up with a lot of those things. I, I love to watch that one. And there's one um, on YouTube that I watch, and it's one that's actually around um, like metal bending, like uh, forging metal and all this other stuff. And, and it was really interesting that I started to look at that, and I was um, really looking at some of the two, you know, comparisons. Because one, I was, I was watching the Great British Breaking Show, and they were like with this dough. They were just molding in there, beating it up and all this other stuff. And I've got a chance to watch that actually happen as it relates to metal bending and forging metal. And one of the things that the guy says as he was like forging metal and all these different things is that he was saying that um, I like to do this and I like like to do it on my off time because the metal doesn't fight back. I actually get to make what I want to make. I get to create what I want to create. It doesn't fight back. I get to create what I want to create. And I thought about this as I read that passage because as we look at this verse being our main theme for the next couple of weeks, Paul, who was writing this, and he was a letter, and he's one who's known for his intelligence, lets us know, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. What does he mean when he is uh, telling us this? Well, Paul is writing uh, uh, to a group of believers in Rome, and this book of Romans is all about, I mean, instruction. Um, It's talking about all sorts of things of how to go about life, and also it's talking about how you would get a chance to experience Jesus. And one of the things he says is don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. What he's getting at in this is that if you are a person who is a follower of Jesus, get comfortable being different. Get very comfortable being different. If you're a business owner in this room and you're a follower of Jesus, get comfortable being different. Get comfortable being a person who sticks out like a sore thumb. Get comfortable being one who lets your moral compass be something that's very different than the status quo. Paul is letting us know in this passage that don't conform to this patterns of this world, but be transformed. So the goal is transformation. The goal is to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ, but that only happens by one thing, by the renewing of our mind. So what does it mean to renew our mind? I, I thought about this, and one of the things that I want to really make note of, if you're writing this, taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write it down. Transformation is not passive. 
Transformation is not passive. If we look at this verse, we recognize transformation is the goal. We need to also recognize that transformation is not passive. That there's something that I play a role in. There's something that I actually play a participation in this if I'm going to see transformation in my life. Transformation is not something that's passive. And I thought about this because, I don't know about you, but once again, let me, little side note, talk to the Christians in the room that you call yourself a follower of Jesus. I had trouble when it came to my relationship with God in the very beginning stages. Because, because I didn't get properly taught as it relates to my thought life, I thought that when Jesus Christ died on the cross and I say yes to him and all these different things, I had this awesome moment in church. I walked down uh, on the altar where I come from, we lay hands, right? So I lay hands and everything's awesome. I feel really awesome. I see, uh, you know, I feel new inside. And yet on Monday, I go back to the same situation. And I'm struggling with the same thoughts that I had. I'm struggling with the same ego that I had. I got the same anger that I had on Saturday. I'm struggling with all these different things, the same addiction, the same things that I was lusting at before Jesus. I'm the same thing. And it was this disconnect that I kept thinking to myself, well, I thought he did the work already. I thought once I say yes, like, I, like there's going to be some change here. There's going to be something that like, you know, I, I, like my life is totally different. And I had this disconnect, and so I went back the next week. And the next week, I went back to church, and, you know, I was like, all right, you know what? I, I feel good about this church thing. I, and this, you know, one of those messages where it was like the pastor's just preaching to me. I don't know if you've ever been in those scenarios, but it was like no one's in the room. The pastor is just preaching to me directly. And I was like, this is for me. And I once again walked down the altar, late, asked God for forgiveness, asked God to, you know, put his hands on my heart. I want to be changed, all these different things. Monday came around. I felt a little good. You know, I kept my little record going. Monday was good. I went on, came on a high, played worship music in the morning, right? Felt good about myself. Tuesday came around. I still was struggling with the same anger ego, things that I was struggling with, addicted to, all the same stuff that I was thinking, the bad thoughts that I had. And I kept thinking to myself, I thought he did the work. And it actually took me on a journey of actually kind of creating this distance of like, well, it didn't really click for me. So all the people who kind of walk around saying, you know, it worked for them, it didn't click for me because I keep struggling with the same thoughts. I keep struggling with thoughts of, am I worthy? Am I enough? Can I actually be called to this? This is a whole bunch of people that's saying, you know, what God has in store for me and God has a plan, but I'm not seeing it. Maybe that's for you and it's not for me. Maybe I wasn't one of the ones who got in, so to speak. And I was reading um, another portion of Romans the, um, at one time, and it was one of those things that just, and I don't know if this is going to happen for you, but it was just one of those things that really just brought relief to me. Uh, it kind of like showed humanity for the people that were in scripture. This guy named Paul that everyone talks about, he's this follower of Jesus, but he's also known for his intelligence and his discipline. And he wrote these words in Romans chapter seven that I want us to really read here because I think it really helps on our journey towards a healthy thought life. For those, some of you in the room who are thinking to yourself, there's a disconnect that's taking place and I don't see things adding up. Let me inform you first and foremost that it's a process and that God is with you in this process, but it's gonna take some time. Paul, this intelligent person that everyone kept talking about, says these words right here. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, listen here, I inevitably do what is wrong. Like, I didn't need to read any more after that. I was like, wow, somebody 
gets where I'm at. Like, this is helping me right now because I keep struggling with this also, but it keeps going on. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me as at war with my mind. There's some struggling that's taking place. There is something that's happening in my thought life that's causing me to not see the things that I keep reading about. And so he goes on and he says, this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that I am dominated by sin and death? Thanks to God. The answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. See, you see how it is in my mind. I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I find myself being a slave to sin. Who is the answer to this disconnect? Who is this answer to this struggling mind and this mindset and this thought process? Jesus Christ. And Paul is detailing in this account in Romans chapter 7, and he's saying the things that I want to do, I don't find myself doing. And what I want to do right, I find myself doing wrong. And all of these things is struggling, and I find myself going back and forth of me being just a human person because we're going to fall short and we're not going to be perfect in this life, but also these thoughts that I'm dealing with. And Paul says Jesus Christ is his answer. So what do I want to get at as we lay this foundation for this series? How do we handle this? How do we take a step towards a healthy thought life? I want us to only derive our answers from Scripture. Philippians chapter 2 is what I want to read, and I want want that to be our starting point of what this looks like. Philippians chapter 2 says this, In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ who being in the very nature of God did not consider it equality with God something to be used as his own advantage. Have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. So the question becomes, what was the mindset that Jesus Christ had if he's our example? What was the mindset that Jesus Christ had if he is our example? As we were going through this, as, we, as I began to think about this, and as we began to think about all the, uh, the conversations that we're going to be having from here on out, one of the resources that I want to just recommend to us um, in this room is, is a, a book that I'm going through. And um, I want to always be a person who's kind of like helping supplement some of the things as it relates to the Bible we know is an important thing. But if you're a person who's a reader, if you're a person who wants to go deeper into this thought life and some of the things that God is detailing for us, the deeply formed life by Rich Velotis is one of the books that I'm reading right now. The Deeply Formed Life by Rich Velotis is one of the books that I'm reading right now. He's a pastor out in um, New York, and he's really showing what it means for us to walk in this manner. What is that mindset that Jesus Christ had? He asked this question in his book. What is that mindset that Jesus Christ had in his as he walked this earth. Philippians 4 is another verse that Paul shows us, and he's going to show us what it looks like to have this mindset. He says these words right here, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard our hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. 
Fix your thoughts on what is true and what is honorable and what is right and what is pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about these things, things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me, everything you have heard from me and saw me do. Then the God of peace will be with you. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, think about these things. Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is worthy, whatever is so, whatever are the things that we can uh, grasp hold of where God shows us how we can experience him. But if you're a person like me, my, my wife always makes fun of me that I was going to be, you know, like probably one of those kids that's like, you know, the teacher lays out all of the instructions and then like one of those kids that's like, you know, come to my desk because you still don't get it. We move on to the next lesson, but you don't really get it. I'm one of those kids that's like, I still don't get it. I got more questions. So when I read what is pure, what is worthy, what is holy, what are all these things, I'm like, but what does that look like? What does that still mean for me? Like I still have questions even after I read that. And one of the things I want to encourage every single one of us to do is that when we have questions around things like this, what was the life and rhythm of Jesus Christ? That's what I want us to, to, to find out more of. Because when we have questions around what Paul said and, you know, what did James say and all these different things, I think some of it is clear. But sometimes I have to go back to the life of Jesus. And some of us, we got to read those red letters in Scripture to see what was the life and rhythm of Jesus like? Because what he does, what he shows us, is the life and the rhythm that I want for myself. And one main thing that I want to hang my hat on for today, and I'm going to make this the main emphasis, is Luke chapter 5. And what Luke chapter 5 shows us is the healthy rhythm of a healthy thought life. What do we do with all of those thoughts that we are wrestling with, all of those 6,000 to 12,000 thoughts that we have on an average daily basis? Some of us are wrestling with stress. Some of us are going through things where we don't even get to the things where some of the stuff is like, you know, stress-related and things around just like, you know, all, all the stuff of, of just uh, pandemic and all these other different things. And then there's just some of the things where it's just day-to-day -day things of just changing the diaper and getting the kids to school and waking up on time and doing these different things, just the day-to-day -day stuff. And Jesus shows us right here in Luke chapter 5, our very foundational verse from the beginning, Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to him to, heal, to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Right now, Luke is this writer, and he's detailing for us all of this stuff that's happening. People are recognizing that all of this stuff that Jesus is doing, and they're coming to him. He's the only source that people are coming to now. He's famous right now. There's so much uh, notoriety around him that people are traveling near and far to be healed of sickness, to be delivered from all the things that they're wrestling with. And Jesus is being pressed by this crowd to do more, to do these things. He's being pulled in his mind to handle all of these people's problems. And what was the rhythm of Jesus in this moment? Jesus shows us that he often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. First thing that I want to mention is that Jesus often, Jesus often withdrew. That word often that we look at right there, I want us to ask that question for us. How often are we withdrawing? Are we pulling away? 
when we look at this idea of uh, withdrawing, he's withdrawing so that he can fill up with Jesus, that fill up with his father. He's withdrawing so that he can commune with God. It's this idea that we don't just run on a half tank of gas. Now, there's two types of people in the room where some of you, like myself, wait till that meter gets all the way to E, and then we wait even a little bit more, and then we go fill up. Some of you are like my father who is paranoid of at the half uh, tank meter, at the half tank mark, he's going to fill up his car. I remember growing up in, in high school um, when I would drive his car, he, like, if I wanted to grind my father's gears, like, if I wanted to get back at my father, I would bring the car back and the gas light would be on and he had to drive it in the morning to work. And nothing, you've been there before, where you, some of you, like, you were driving home and you're like, I should probably get gas right now. You know what, I'll get it in the morning. And then you regret it every time. It's like, I don't have time to get gas in the morning. I should have got that last night. And in this moment, I'm doing this same thing, and I did that with my father, and he is so upset at me because I'm the type of person that will wait until the meter gets all the way to E. Some of us in this room, we let our thoughts pile up so much that we only find ourselves coming to God when we're on E. But a healthy thought life is a healthy withdrawing, a healthy thought life is a healthy getting away to commune with Jesus. A healthy thought life will always have a healthy rhythm of communing with Jesus. He shows us this example in Luke chapter 5. Not only is Jesus often getting away, but Jesus withdraws. The Hebrew word right here when it says withdrew is it's taken refuge. He saw his time of getting away to be with God as a place of refuge. And I don't know about you, but how many of us in this room need a place of exhale, a place of refuge? If you don't take anything away from this sermon, I need you to find your place of refuge where you feel at peace and at one with God. He draw away. The prerequisite for us to be renewed by the Holy Spirit is to withdraw, to find refuge in God. Not only did Jesus withdraw, not only did Jesus get away often, but Jesus got alone. He intentionally created distance from his disciples, distance from people, because he knew that communion with God was the only way that transformation actually takes place. I mentioned this a little bit earlier, that transformation is not passive, but transformation is also not dependent on you. Transformation happens when we commune with God. And when he got away and he withdraw and he got alone, he didn't just get alone, he got alone and prayed. And my emphasis on today that I just want to nudge all of us with is not just prayer, but this idea of contemplative prayer. That was the model that Jesus showed us. Contemplative prayer is this main thing, this idea of not just lifting up our thoughts and life to God, but this is the main point. Attentiveness to God without words. Attentiveness to God without words. Sometimes we stop or we're hesitant or we don't even come to God because we feel we have to have the right words. And we feel that we, you know, our thoughts are so, you know, distracted and I'm so caught up with all these different things that we don't even step to God. It's an attentiveness to God without words, without an anticipation of receiving something and just being. And I know that's awkward. 
And I know that creates silence, but that's okay. See, sometimes we're talking way too much. And sometimes we just need to be with God. And this idea of contemplative prayer is one that is derived from people who would look at their lives and look at monastic culture and monasteries and look at how people had a powerful connection with God. And it was through contemplative prayer, attentiveness to God without words, to just be there. Sometimes when I'm practicing this, I just sit there in silence and I say, God, I'm showing up. Here I am again. I don't know what to say. Here I am again. And can I tell you that 50% of my prayer sometimes is just letting my thoughts out to God, just like getting all of my thoughts to just stop and just cease. Whereas the moment we start to pray or start to be with God, you know, we're thinking about the gas that we got to get and I got to pay this bill and the alarm starts going off outside and we're distracted. But attentiveness to God is without words. And not only is it without words, but it's actually reframing distractions. I want to mention these two things, and then I'm going to get out your way. Reframing distractions. See, sometimes we get there, and we start to pray, and we start to get in our hands. We start to think about stuff, and it's like, I can't even really pray because I'm thinking about every single thing. Here's the powerful thing that I want you to remember when it comes to contemplative prayer. Contemplative prayer is simply this, consistently coming back to Jesus. Consistently coming back back to Jesus. Well, what does this mean? Well, if your mind gets distracted, I read this in a book that the one that I just told you about, that means that if your mind gets distracted in 10 minutes, if your mind gets distracted a hundred times in 10 minutes, excuse me, if your mind gets distracted a hundred times in 10 minutes, it's a hundred opportunities to return back to God. If your mind is distracted a hundred times It's a hundred opportunities to return back to God. What is contemplative prayer? A returning back to God, showing up again, again, and again. What am I trying to get at? This transformation that Paul talks about in Romans chapter 12, this thought life, this healthy thought life that we're kind of wrestling with and trying to think about for ourselves, transformation is not passive, but it's also not dependent on us a refreshing from the Holy Spirit, a being in the presence of God, a renewing of our mind takes place only and only when we are communing with God, only when we are intentionally spending time in the presence of God. You can read as many self-help books as you want. You can read as many Bibles as you desire. You can read as many uh, uh, whatever. And I can guarantee you in all of your own works and all of your own might, it's not a transformation and a renewing of your mind that transforms us into the life of Jesus Christ. This only happens by a regular rhythm, often withdrawing to pray, often withdrawing to be with God. And you don't always have to talk. It's a presence of just being with God, returning again and again. So what does a renewing of our mind look like? How do I renew my mind? How can I find myself taking these 6,000 to 12,000 thoughts on a daily basis and helping me to wrestle with those things and to, to, to help my mental health? It's a communing with Jesus Christ. And I know that's not fancy. I know that's not this rah, rah, rah message. But let me encourage you for a moment and let you know that only the people that are most powerful in society and in our lives as it relates to their spiritual walk 
have a regular rhythm of being with God. And when we are with God, when we get a chance to just be with God, this is what I want to land on as the band makes their way to the stage. Not only do we get a clarity of who Jesus is, we get a clarity on who we are in him. Transformation takes place when we are sitting in the presence of God, and it doesn't just take place by us recognizing who God is. It also takes place by us recognizing who we are in him. And this matters because our identity is so much linked to the thoughts that we think on a daily basis. Our identity, we tie our identity so much to our thoughts that I'm not worthy or I'm not enough. I didn't get enough done today. I don't add up. I did this wrong again. How can I find this? How can I do this raise? How can I, find, how, how can I have this upward mobility, mobility in life? How can I get to the next stage? And we wrestle with all of these thoughts. We wrestle with all of this stuff. And sometimes we'll conclude who we are based on the thoughts that we think. But let me tell you, when we have a regular rhythm of being in God's presence, we get a chance to see not only who he is, but who we are in him. And this directly impacts how we move about in society when we recognize that we are loved, that we are chosen, that God has died on a cross for every single one of us. This shapes who we are. This is a forming place in our lives that we recognize there is no change. There is no uh, 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 transformation that happens outside of who I am, who God has called me. So I want you to sit with, who are we? Who are you? And sometimes we wrestle with all these things and there's nothing that we wrestle more with in life than that message of I am fill in the blank. The practical step that I mentioned earlier is I want you to identify this week what that fill in the blank is. I am blank. And I want that fill in the blank only to derive from what God is telling you in your moments of prayer. And you may have to read scripture and you may have to read a devotional, but make sure you get away and withdraw to just be with God and just allow your being to be there. And what is God nudging upon your heart that you are? I am fill in the blank. That's our practical step for today. That's our practical step for this week. For today, we're going to sing a worship song of who you say I am. I'm going to read a few lyrics, and then I want you to just sit in this moment to hear the words being sung over you of what it means to know who we are in Jesus Christ. It says, who the Son, Jesus Christ, has set free is free indeed. I am a child of God. Yes, I am. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. I am a child of God. Yes, I am. Would you bow your heads with me? God, the simple prayer for this morning is to 
fill in the blank. Fill in the blank of I am. And when you do so, Lord, all of the thoughts that we wrestle with from there on are all secondary. What is primary is who you say we are. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.